When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in What's Right with Nick Wright, episode 186, fresh off an interesting, if not all that well played Monday night football game after a very intriguing week six in the NFL where seemingly no quarterbacks except for Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff played well. We will discuss all of that. Demonze will be joining us shortly. He, for his first time since moving to Los Angeles, is dealing with the devastation of Los Angeles traffic, but we'll give him a pass. We'll see him shortly. Here is what? missed the cut for today's show. Trevor Lawrence, day-to-day with a knee injury. They play on Thursday night. That is a story to monitor for Thursday. Justin Fields, doubtful with a thumb injury. They're going to be playing a guy from Shepherd College. Potentially, that's a disaster for a team that's already had a bunch. And Kansas City defeats Denver for checks notes. Yep, the 1,000th straight time. But Where we're going to start today is with Monday Night Football. The producers tell me that I said the Cowboys were going to roll the Chargers. They obviously did not roll the Chargers. They did, however, beat the Chargers. They also said that I had mentioned that Dak looked sensational and I took a shot at Herbert. The question I'm being asked is, have people been too harsh on Dak and not harsh enough on Herbert? So let's start with the Herbert part, and then we will circle around to Dak and also what frustrated me about last night's Cowboys game. So Justin Herbert came into the NFL, top 10 pick, pressed into service in the game where the Chargers team doctor stabbed Tyrod Taylor trying to give him a pain-killing injection, week two of his rookie season against my beloved Chiefs in a game, the, the, the defending champion Chiefs no less, in a game he did not think he was gonna have to play and threw for 300 yards, one touchdown, one pick, a 94 passer rating, and they lost, but he was downright terrifying. And in that moment, I said, oh, Jesus. This guy, the the Chargers, a divisional opponent, got a great one. And he's going to be a pain in the ass for years to come. And that is still kind of true. But where I'm at with Herbert is that it is not that he is the problem with the Chargers. As I said to Demonze a few weeks ago when we discussed him, it's not that he's the problem. It's that he is paid to be the solution, and you have some concern on that. It is, is Justin Herbert a good quarterback? No question. Is Justin Herbert a very good quarterback? I think so. But has Justin Herbert, improved 
in any significant fashion since his rookie year? No. Justin Herbert's rookie year, 3-1 to touchdown interception ratio, a 98 passer rating, yards per attempt of 7.6. So again, 3-1 to touchdown interception ratio, 98 passer rating, yards per attempt 7.6. Justin Herbert, for his career, a 3-1 to touchdown interception ratio, a 97 passer rating, 7.4. Yards per attempt. Seven point, I'm sorry, he was 7.3 as a rookie, 7.2 now. It's not, like, those are really good numbers. And they're the numbers of a really good quarterback. But when you put up those numbers as a rookie, we expect you to consistently improve. That just hasn't happened. And Ed Werder, I, I didn't know this stat, so credit to Ed Werder for tweeting it out uh, an hour or so ago. Let me uh, the let me find it real quick. I just had it. Uh, Stefan Gilmore's clinching INT note. Justin Herbert threw his 13th career interception in the fourth quarter of a one-score game tonight. That's five more. So he has 13, no other quarterback has more than eight since he came into the league. Now, Herbert plays a lot of one-score games. There's been more opportunities for that. I understand that. But there are a lot of different thresholds of, do I have a good quarterback? Do I have a very good quarterback? Do I have a great quarterback? Do I maybe have the best quarterback? And one of them is the indefinable situation Herbert was in last night, and it's the feeling that you have if you're rooting for or against that team, which is, got the ball, 220 left, down three, own 25-yard line. I had a bet on the Cowboys. I was rooting for the Cowboys. I wasn't worried. That's a problem. And no Charger fan out there can argue when he got the ball there, you were like, well, definitely getting three, might get seven. You were actually watching saying, ah, sh-. this, pr- this probably isn't going to end great. And that doesn't mean he's bad. He obviously is not bad. But he came into the league an A- minus or a B plus, and right now, He's an A- minus or a B plus. That's a problem. Now to the Cowboys. The good. Dak Prescott was sensational last night. Adverse circumstances. His coach seemingly working against him. Michael Gallup. Now, where Dak, I thought, made a mistake was targeting Gallup so often. But Gallup couldn't catch anything. And made plays with his legs which he must do more of. That's an important part of his game. He's got to do more of it. Made plays out of structure, made high-level throws, completed some big-time third and mediums, third and longs, and was excellent last night. The Cowboys, and I tried to caution everyone of just anointing the Niners and the Eagles like, oh, man, Cowboys, lucky if they make the playoffs now. 
game back. Game back of both of those teams. Now the Niners obviously have the tiebreaker with Dallas, but Dallas gets Philly twice. And while Philly has the toughest eight-game stretch in the league coming up, Dallas has a bye, then they're home for the Rams, then one of those Eagles games, then the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders, before their schedule gets far tougher with Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and then finish the year against the Commanders. So do not be surprised in the least if we leave Thanksgiving Day with the Cowboys in first place in the NFC East. Don't be surprised by that. In fact, that's what I think is going to happen. And so th- there is th- there that is the good for the Cowboys. Here is the not good for the Cowboys. What we saw from Mike McCarthy at halftime of the game or right before halftime of the game is just absolutely unforgivable. And by the way, guys, I think, yeah, I think a mic's open in there. So I'm hearing a lot of background noise. If you guys can kill that for the moment, I don't know if the audience is hearing it as well. Um, but yeah, I, so if you guys can fix that, that'd be great. Uh, the, the, so what happened at halftime of the game right before halftime was, and I know this term can be overused, but was coaching malpractice. Guys, what I'm hearing it just so you guys know is DeMonte's mic. If you guys can kill that for the moment, that would be great. Um, what happened last night is coaching malpractice and it can't happen. And so I'll give you the play-by-play of it, but it is a stinging indictment of McCarthy's faith in Dak and McCarthy's situational awareness. The Dallas Cowboys had two timeouts and completed a short pass to Michael Gallup on the sideline for 11 yards to get the ball to the Chargers' 37-yard line. Gallup was ruled that his forward progress was stopped in bounds. Okay? So, McCarthy had a choice there to call timeout or not. He, in my opinion, didn't realize the clock was running, and then once he realized it, decided, screw it, I'll hold on to the timeout. So... The, they run a play. They again. They have the, the at the thirty-seven with fifty seconds left, five-zero, and they don't get their next playoff till there's twenty-seven seconds left. On that play, there is a penalty. The next play, there's another penalty, and all of a sudden, we're in this situation. Fourteen seconds left. Dallas has both timeouts. They have the ball at the 17. The clock has been mismanaged to this point, but it's just kind of -of run-of-the-mill mismanagement, being a little too protective of your timeouts. Okay? Dak then throws over the middle with eight seconds left. There are The play ends with eight seconds left. They're at the 14. They have two timeouts. This is the key piece of it. 
and Mike McCarthy doesn't use it until there's three seconds left. Instead of trusting your decade-long veteran franchise quarterback to take a shot to the end zone, he lets it go down to three seconds and kicks the field goal. You can't do that. The margins are too thin. And it is such an indictment of what McCarthy thinks of Dak. But the problem is, Mike McCarthy, you guys ain't winning a damn thing if you don't trust Dak Prescott. Flatly. And so, I I thought the end of the half was unforgivable. And it for a guy who picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl, it made me, while last night's game, the defense looked excellent, Dak looked great, the coaching was so abysmal, it concerned me massively. So there's our Monday night football reaction. Uh, Demonze got here. Little LA traffic issues. Demonze, how are you doing this morning? No, listen, I told the guys you've been doing this show for 18 months. This is the first time the traffic got you, so I'm not going to hold it against you. They had a whole Photoshop ready to kill you on it. I can see right now you're very upset with yourself. I'm not worried about it. Uh, the if the next the reason I was going to wait till the B block to bring you in, but you got here just in time to talk about your new guy, I did. the guy that. Daniel Jones was replaced by and Brock Purdy. So why don't you go right ahead? Yeah, so Brock Purdy finally lost his first game. Uh, He threw his first pick, but he didn't have his key weapons. I think that any quarterback would have struggled without their key weapons in a situation like that. Best defense Mm -hmm. in football, the whole nine. Um, so he's not Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Is is there anybody mm-hmm. else besides Patrick Mahomes on a on an NFL team that you'd be comfortable having as your quarterback? Yeah, of course. There's 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 of course there are. I'd rather have Mahomes than anyone. But the guys, we gotta we gotta be fair here. We they, they, I mean, I see the producers wrote, yes, Purdy isn't the MVP. Congrats on winning an argument no one was actually making. That's bull. This is the this is what is is just maddening. It was being made on TV shows everywhere. Everywhere. He was fourth in the Vegas odds. But and this is where I get to just kind of be a jerk and say yeah, this is one of those eventually right takes I told you about because everyone now is grading Purdy on a curve that is tacitly admitting they agree with me about his skill level. Oh, no one can move the ball in the Browns defense. Lamar Jackson did. You know why? Because he's awesome. And I had to listen for a month that I was a hater for not admitting Purdy was awesome. What more do you want to see from Brock Purdy, I was asked. And I said, well, a couple things. One is... I'd like to see how he looks in a situation where he doesn't have the Avengers around him as skill position guys. And all of a sudden, he loses Christian McCaffrey, and he's terrible. He's not mediocre. He's not okay. He's terrible. I asked to see that. Didn't pass that test. Hold on. 
the other the other question I the other thing I said I wanted to see was let's see them in a tight second half and see how he does. And the answer was a 15 passer rating and 50 yards in the second half. And everyone's like, oh, Nick, you're being too harsh. I, I'm only being too harsh if everyone is now with me that he should be graded on the young, we're not sure how good he is, give him time to grow curve. But I, that's where I've been putting him. And folks said, I'm being mean. So now people want to be able to argue that he is unquestionably a top 10 quarterback and arguably the most valuable player in the league. And then also be able to argue you can't hold the fact that he got outplayed by P.J. Walker against him. Pick a lane. Pick a lane, folks. Like that, that's the, the, and, and let's, the Browns defense is awesome. But what's also true is this they've played five quarterbacks this year. The first game was against Joe Burrow on one leg. Now they were great and Burrow was terrible, but I think we also then saw over the next few weeks that Burrow was going to look really bad against most teams. The second game was against Ryan Tannehill, who stinks every week. They played. Kenny Pickett, who had a decidedly mediocre game. Not great, not awful, which is exactly who Kenny Pickett is. They played Lamar Jackson, who was awesome, which is exactly who Lamar Jackson is. And they played Brock Purdy, and he was terrible. And so, take from it what you want, guys. Uh, But we saw... For the first time, a team not have to worry about Christian McCaffrey, a team dare Brock Purdy to beat him, and he could have thrown four interceptions in that game. He just could have. And anyone who is being honest will admit the Niners' biggest question mark, the Niners' weakest link, and the thing that makes, if you're a big Niners fan, you the most afraid is that Brock Purdy doesn't have it. That is just a fair reading of the season. Now, Demonza, you tried to jump in, but I was fired up, so I wouldn't. I stopped you, so go ahead. Well, I guess uh, the last couple of minutes of that game was probably the biggest spot up until his NFL career, yet he did get them in the field goal range without his two biggest weapons. There was a chance to win the game. Uh, was it a 43-yarder, I think? 41-yarder. All right, so let's talk about that. The first play of that drive, he throws the ball right to the Browns and he drops it. And people are like, oh, Nick, Nick, that's not fair. You're going to count dropped interceptions against him. Well, folks now want to give him credit for missed field goals. Right? (laughs) You can't play it both ways. You can't be like, if the guy makes the field goal, he's a hero. Fine. If Newsom catches the ball thrown to him, he, 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 in that exact spot, first play of the drive, throws a pick. And, yes, I did want to see Brock Purdy in that moment. And after trying to throw the game away, he moved them down the field. That is true. What is also true, and this is where people would have gotten angry with me, but at least I am consistent. 
if that guy makes that field goal, you know what my feelings on Brock Purdy's game are? 12 for 27, 125 yards, one pick, and a ball that just slipped right out of his tiny hands. You know what my feelings are on his performance that game? That field goal made or missed, he was bad. Because he was. That's why the fallacy of the quarterback win stuff. But this is the double standard that I just I can't get over on, with some of my colleagues in the media. When objectively speaking, Purdy would have a mediocre game, particularly last year, or McCaffrey would be unbelievable and carry them, and they would win, folks would say, Nick, quarterback's job is to win the game. His job is to win the game. You're going to criticize him? And now he's awful and they lose. And you know what those same people are saying? What more do you want him to do? I don't know. Be better in the first 59 minutes so the game doesn't come down to your rookie kicker outdoors in Cleveland in the rain making a kick to beat P.J. Walker. Is that too much? No, it's not too much. Situation sounds it's just super not. similar. What'd you say? Situation sounds super similar to some other team that didn't have their what other stars. Team? And lost to a lesser team, uh, the Chiefs. What do you What do you mean? That team, the the Chiefs. The what? first game of the year, they lost the Lions. Well, I will say the Lions are looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. They the did Lions, lose that game. Though. The They're Lions. supposed to be like this. You put them up here in Mahomes Mountain. They got that one guy at the top of the mountain. See, but this is where them. people. This is I, and I don't know if you're being serious or just trying to like get a rise out of me. I'm not sure. This is where people make fools of themselves. We want to compare. What are we comparing right now? Are we comparing Patrick Mahomes to Brock Purdy? If people are trying to argue, I give Patrick Mahomes more benefit of the doubt than Brock Purdy. Yeah, of course. Yes, I do. And, and there's a reason for it. Are, are people trying to argue that the the Chiefs looked as, as out of sorts against the Lions as the Niners did against the Browns? I don't think that's what. The tape shows. I don't think that's the case. I, the, 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 this I think is, the argument this is, my is point. any quarterback would struggle without their two main. I guess Patrick Mahomes only had Kelsey that was missing, but you could argue he had some other things missing. Anybody would struggle at quarterback without okay. two of their main weapons. Sorry. No. Not MVPs. <laughs> not great quarterbacks. Yes, they are not they, they are not necessarily putting up 300 yards. But the, the the reason you get discussed as the most valuable player of the NFL is because your team can function without other guys. It's because you are clearly the most valuable player on your own team these are this is what i'm talking about this is the again where do we want to discuss brock purdy do we want to hold him to the standard we hold geno smith to i'm okay with that do we want to hold him to the standard we hold Derek carr to i'm okay with that and that is a compliment to him those are veteran established quarterbacks <laughs> The, hold on. Uh, honest question. Do you think the San Francisco 49ers would be worse with Derek Carr? Do you think they'd be I mean, worse with Geno Smith? 
Definitely not I Geno don't. Smith. <laughs> no. So so hold on. Are are we are we have elevated this guy? That's been the discussion all last week. It was is he the MVP of the league? That was the discussion. And yet and yes, of course it is maddening because I had this same argument with people in a different form about Jimmy Garoppolo. And 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 now folks want to have it again with Brock Purdy. And so I'm I'm just asking, how did Kirk Demonze, Kirk Yo. Cousins, elite, good, average, below average, awful. Pick a category you'd put him in. I know where I think put him. average and kind of breaks out into elite every once in a while. I yeah, well I, yeah I said elite good average so it's like in the, oh, in go, between good. good and average in yeah, between exactly. good and average yeah. right okay Kirk Cousins this week didn't have Justin Jefferson and you could tell he missed him you know didn't even throw for two hundred yards found a way to be functional now there to be fair they're playing the Bears defense versus the Browns defense. Right? So that's a massive, massive difference. I totally recognize that. But the idea, if you have to have the league's best running back, the league's best left tackle, the second best uh, tight end, and two, uh, and the uh, a top three wide receiver duo in the league, in order, along with the second best play caller, in order to be functional, you're not a difference maker at the quarterback position. You're just not. And I asked to see something. He was given an opportunity to make me look like a fool. And instead, he got outplayed by P.J. Walker. So I just, I don't, the, the, the jury is still out. But I was reading articles. And this is where, and this is the other wildly frustrating thing. Folks then say, these arguments are made. And then people say, no, it's a straw man. It's not a goddamn straw man. There, uh, Mike Sando, I think it was, wrote an article in The Athletic talking to NFL executives about is Brock Purdy the next Joe Montana, the next Tom Brady, <laughs> or, and that's not even the problem part. It was, or is he just the next Dak? Acting, the, the, the conversation had been set. Like his floor at, was Dak <laughs> exactly right exactly right that his ceiling is two of the greatest ever and his floor is oh he's just going to be a guy who makes hundreds of millions of dollars multiple playoff appearances multiple 12 13 win seasons and is a longtime starter that's not his floor flatly matt schaub might be his floor that, that and that might like the the that's the the conversation we were having, and the, my I have not moved the goalposts, and and this is the last thing I'll say, the whole idea of Nick, even you've got to admit, you would have never thought the Niners would be this good with Brock Purdy, guys. I picked the Niners to go to the Super Bowl last year with a quarterback who had thrown 40 career passes as their starter in Trey Lance. 40, if that. Maybe 40 or 50 career passes. I, 
And that was before they added Christian McCaffrey. Okay? I am a strong believer in that roster. I also, let me ask one other question. Because this this just irritates me. Right now, this moment, how many are you, I'll ask you this, DeMonte. Right now, this moment, do you think the Niners are the favorites to win the Super Bowl? The favorites. Favorites to win the Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, I'd say yeah. Just about. To win just or to about go? To, to go win. or to, to win the whole thing? To win. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. I think it, think it is, though. No, no, no. They literally are, but it's the. I mean, they are the Vegas favorites right now. Okay, but mm-hmm. you're. But it seems like from your reaction, it you're. It's. I close, felt like it right? could have been maybe a. Yeah, exactly. It could be the Chiefs, could be the Eagles, right. and then right. there's the Lions lurking or whatever. Okay, let's play a game. Replace Brock Purdy with spin the wheel. Lamar Jackson are the Niners the far and away favorites? Head and shoulders better than everyone. Okay, let's replace him with Trevor. Are they the massive favorites? Let's replace him with Jared Goff. Are they the massive favorites? Let's replace him. Dak Prescott? Yep. Jalen Hurts? Yep. Of course, Josh Allen. Of course, Patrick Mahomes. Here's a better one. Replace Brock Purdy with C.J. Stroud. Are the Niners in a better or worse position than they're in right now? That's a good one. They're in a better position. Of course! Which is why us talking about him like he's the NFL's MVP is maddening. Let's move on. Next. Replacing right. Matt Stafford. They might not lose a game. Go ahead. Next. Said, uh, the Eagles are coming off of an embarrassing loss to the Jets. I don't know how embarrassing it is, honestly. But I agree. Bouncing, ba- bouncing back won't be easy either as they've, they, have, they host the Dolphins on Sunday night. Uh, with how Philly has looked the past few games, should we be hammering Dolphins plus two and a half? All right, I'm not in a position to give gambling advice right now. I have to I have to recalibrate all of that. But um I don't think that was an embarrassing loss to the Jets. Here's what I do think, Demonze. I do think that Nick Sirianni should have gotten way more criticism. Listen, Jalen played a bad game. And Jalen's pick at the end was terrible. No denying it. But here is what is also true. The New York Jets were out of timeouts. It was at the two-minute warning. It was third and nine. And the Eagles were up by two points, 14 to 12. It's not as if the Jets had moved the ball up and down the field, any of that. Zach Wilson's still the quarterback. And on third and nine... Right around midfield, with no timeouts remaining for the Jets. If you run and and if you're Sirianni, you know Hertz doesn't have it today. He's already thrown two picks. If you run the football, maybe you pick it up. Probably you don't. If you pick up eight yards, you're gonna run your stupid little brotherly shove play, and you're gonna win. The game's gonna be over. But. Let's just say you run and you get zero yards. What's the situation? There's then a minute 15 left, and you're punting from midfield. And you are saying, we have the best pass rush in the NFL, the best D-line in the NFL. 
Zach Wilson, you need to go 65 yards with no timeouts and a minute five left to beat us. And instead, you gave the game away. Now, Jalen shouldn't have made that throw, but it is Sirianni's job to protect his team. And if you have a pass rush the way you do, and you are playing Zach Wilson, and you have the opportunity to run the ball, again, the no timeouts thing is critical. You are leaving the Jets about 65 seconds to go the length, not the length of the field, but to go two-thirds of the field to get into field goal range with no timeouts. And instead, you throw it and you lose. So I think the Eagles are fine-ish. I don't think they're a dominant team. I didn't think they were dominant when they were 5-0. and I also think, Demonte, have you looked at their next eight games? It's the wild. Eagles? I, yeah, I'm going to read it to you the, real quick. Home for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. At the Commanders, who, again, a divisional game on the road. They did beat them last year, but that's not that tough. You should win that game. So home for the Dolphins at the Commanders. Then home for Dallas at the Chiefs. Home for the Bills. Home for the Niners at Dallas at Seattle. That's the next day. That is that 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 is a you are thrilled if you go four and four stretch. If you go five and three, you feel unbelievable. And so it's not that I'm overly worried about Philly, but they are they that was a game they gave away. Um all right, go what are the follow-ups here? I had a tweet about the brotherly shove. I think they want me to You talk did have about. a tweet. Um I think we're going to show it for those on YouTube. What was the tweet? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, here it is. This this is what I wrote. I can't quite explain it. But not only have the Eagles hacked the quarterback sneak, turning an 80% successful play into a 98% successful play, they've also tricked the rest of the league into turning an 80% successful play into a 40% successful play by failing at imitating them. So this is what is wild about what the Eagles have done. The quarterback sneak for years was one of the most reliable plays in the league. If you need a yard or less... You'd run the quarterback sneak and cross teams four out of five times, it would work. Cross teams across years. The only team that really had it way, way better was the Patriots with Brady. He was like 90 something percent. Okay. The Eagles turned that four out of five play into a 95 out of 100 play with the brotherly shove. The rest of the league must recognize we can't do it. We don't have Jason Kelsey at center. We don't have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. We don't practice it enough. And now the rest of the league has turned their... If you just did the old quarterback sneak, you'd be fine most of the time. Instead, they're trying to do this other thing, and I watched four teams fail at it this weekend. Four teams. Stop it. Stop trying to do something you can't do. Rest of the league. Now, folks are ask, have asked me, does this make me change my opinion on whether or not the NFL is going to outlaw yeah. it? No. Yeah. 
My argument on the NFL outlawing it is purely an aesthetic one. I think it is too ugly of a play. I know Philly fans get mad when I say that. I think, and I, but now maybe it's a, they don't have to outlaw it because it solves itself if Jason Kelsey retires and if Jalen Hurts at some point says, guys, I, 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 you know, enough of a major part of our offense being 20 guys hitting me from different sides. I, you know, I think I'm over that piece of it, but it is clear that it is unique to Philadelphia right now. Um, and it has had downstream effects hurting the rest of the league trying to imitate them. All right, next, last one. All right, the Bills have only had seven points going into the final five minutes of the last two weeks. They needed the refs yep. to bail them out uh, just to beat the Giants with Tyra Taylor, but they're still 4-2 and two when they get to go place, uh, face the New England Patriots. Why are the Buffalo Bills trying their asses off, but the Chiefs are just practicing when this type of stuff happens? Okay. So, again, so a couple things. One is, as soon as the Chiefs lose one of these practices that I've talked about, People will be able to crow. But not only have they not lost, they have not trailed for one second in the second half in any game since week one. They have not been in jeopardy of losing any of these games. That's first of all. Second of all, the Bills only having seven points at the five-minute mark in back-to-back weeks is concerning, (laughs) flatly. And the Bills also don't have games to give away. They easily could have lost to the Giants. Now, they, they I'm not going to whine about the refereeing. I the, the whining about refereeing is just so tired. What people are going to realize is it's not that the oh my god the refs always bail out the Chiefs. What they're going to realize is. Every single standalone nationally televised game that is close is going to have a play at the end people can bitch about. Wait for it this morning. Get on Twitter later today and you know what people are going to all of a sudden be realizing? Holy crap. Did Micah Parsons rough Justin Herbert on that (laughs) damn near game clinching sack? (laughs) What? Demaze, did you see it? It was that, like he that, fell the, on him. The, he did his, his yeah, wings on him. He, it yeah, was a clean yeah, he, <laughs> the, I, and so the, the reason people think the Chiefs are benefiting disproportionately is because the Chiefs are on national TV every single week and they win. Every team that wins a nationally televised close game, if the way you want to consume pro football is find a way to discuss the refs, you're going to be able to find a play. I would argue what the Bills did at the end of that game was actually super smart because they recognized there's a little hack to end-of-game officiating. They almost never call the exact same penalty two times in a row. So once you get called for pass interference on the final play of the game, you know what you should do on the untimed down? Pass interfere. Because refs don't want to call the same penalty two times in a row to end a game. They just don't. And so I got no problem with what the Bills did. Where I Now, what I will say is, and I tweeted this as well, and this is another one of those things that I just know I'm right on. 
So I don't care. I like sometimes I send out these tweets and I'm like, oh my God, I, like I'm going to get ratioed. People are going to, you know, say I'm a hater, ratio. whatever it is. But I know I'm right. So the Josh Allen touchdown pass was one of the single most impressive throws anyone has made all year and a terrible decision and why I don't trust the Bills. So DeMonze's laughing, and I understand people are like, Nick, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. It is second and six. There are four minutes left. You are playing the New York Giants, who prior to this game had not led in a game all year. Had not led for a single play all year prior to this game. They're playing their backup quarterback, and they hadn't scored a touchdown in a month. Had not scored a touchdown in a month. You're down two points. You're in the red zone. It is second and six. The only thing you can't do is throw a pick. A field goal wins you the game. Now, Josh made a throw that I don't even know Mahomes can make. Getting that velocity on that ball, hitting that tight of a window, it was unbelievable. But that is absolutely the reason they are. he is such a hard player to trust. You can be wowed by him, but it's hard to trust him because that was a bad decision. It worked out. And it's one of the best plays I've most impressive plays I've ever seen. It also could have cost them a game they had no business losing. And so if you're going to, and this is the nuance to it, if you're going to take those types of risk, have that type of boom bust quarterback, then I need you to not for back-to-back weeks, have seven points at the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter. If the whole idea behind your team is, yeah, we're going to make some mistakes, but man, the upside's so great, then you need to not be sitting on seven as the game hits the three-hour mark in (laughs) back-to-back weeks. That's not unfair. Brew said to me the other day, well, yeah, you know, He's the modern-day Brett Favre. Brett Favre, by this point of his career, had won multiple MVPs and been to multiple Super Bowls and won a championship. Not quite the modern-day Brett Favre. Like, yes, the modern-day Brett Favre minus the championships, the Super Bowl appearances, and the league MVPs. So, I... The, and as far as why are the Chiefs allowed to practice and other teams aren't, Because they're the defending champions. Because in the last five years, the Bills' best year was worse than the Chiefs' worst year. Okay? In the last, since Mahomes has been there, take the Chiefs' single worst season, losing in overtime in the conference championship game. Take the Bills' best season, getting blown out in the conference championship game, 
by Kansas City. Yes, I hold the teams to different standards. Yes, a team that has lost once in the last 11 months, and it was by one point without their second and third best player. That team, I am going to give more of a benefit of the doubt to. I am. You call you can call me crazy. I say that is the most logical thing ever. And so and also by the way, here's the other margin of error factor. The the Chiefs if they win Sunday, and I'm worried about Sunday because the Chargers play the Chiefs tough. They they, they never beat the Chiefs, but they play them in three-point games every single year and at some point the Chargers win those will win one of those games. But if the Chiefs win on Sunday, they will have essentially locked up the division by mid-October. They'll be six and one. The Chargers will be two and four, having already lost, you know, one of the head-to-heads. And the Raiders are in second place at three and three. And Jimmy Garoppolo's going to the hospital, getting his back looked at. So the Bills, on the other hand, if you know, needed to escape against Tyrod Taylor to not fall behind the Jets in the standings. These two things are not the same. Take a quick break, come back. What's right? Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with factors, no prep. No mess meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer thanks to a vast menu of chef crafted, never frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code NickWright50 at factormeals.com slash NickWright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright? That was a 45-minute A block, so we'll try to go fast here. And then uh, I forgot to tell you guys, we can get to your chat questions uh, in the C block, so you guys can drop those questions here in a moment. But, Demonze, let's get right to it. Before we get to our game, tear it down or turn it around, there's one more topic you guys want to ask me about. Yeah, so this weekend your golden boy, Caleb Williams, had the worst game of his college career. 
Meanwhile, yep. Wimby's looking very solid in preseason. You've been super heavy on Caleb Williams, but have tell but have been warning everybody about jumping on the Wimby boat. Um, are you sure that you jumped on the wrong generational talent, or are okay, you worried no, so, that you jumped on the wrong? Sorry. No. So listen, if people were talking about K- Wimby the way I'm talking about Caleb, I'd be fine with it. I've said, now it's a little tough in the NFL because we break it down by position, not by like overall players in the league. But when I've said that Caleb is one of the five most valuable football players in the world right now moving forward, if you said, hey, Giannis, Jokic, who else would you rather have for the next decade than Wimby? I'd listen to that. That's not the conversation that's been had around Victor Wimbanyama. The conversation has been that by year three, this was what Woj said on the night of the draft lottery, by year three, he will be head and shoulders, no pun intended, the best player in the league, the best offensive player and the best defensive player. Something only a handful of guys have ever been at any point in their careers. The best offensive and defensive player in the entire sport. That's the expert. That's where where it, what was said about Wimby was, if he does not end up as one of the ten greatest football uh, basketball players ever, ever, he's a disappointment. What I've said about Caleb is I'd rather have him than Justin Herbert. These are not the same things. Now, what I will tell you is about both these guys. One is I don't know what Wimby is going to look like in real games on offense in the beginning. But on defense, he absolutely is going to be an A defender immediately. And what we're seeing on the hesitation people have on even putting shots up in his vicinity is truly unbelievable. And so I'm excited to watch it. Listen, once the games count, somebody is going to try to just go through him. Somebody is going to see if, okay, how much does the wingspan matter if I push you under the basket? And I want to see how he reacts to it. Um, But Wimby's preseason could not be going better. As far as Caleb goes, find me the college player that never has a single bad game. I mean, give me a break. The amount of, oh, Nick, what do you think about Caleb Williams now? The exact same thing I thought about him before Notre Dame. Listen, guys, I'm sorry that because Caleb Williams has set the standard so incredibly high that seeing him play a bad game feels it, it, it generates an allergic reaction. I'm sorry that going into the Notre Dame game, this guy had, let me get it exactly right, 85 touchdowns to 10 picks. We had seen him play 32 games. He had 10 picks. And then in the Notre Dame game, he was bad. He had three picks. The Notre Dame kicked his ass. People were like, oh, what are you ready to say about him now? What am I ready to say about the guy who on the season has 29 touchdowns, four interceptions, 
and is now even with the Notre Dame game just having the third best season by a passer rating perspective in the history of college football, I think he's still pretty phenomenal. So, no, I'm not worried at all about Caleb. I have been impressed by Wimby. All right, next. All right, I'm bringing back an old game today and tear it down and turn it around. I'll give you a team and you will say whether they should tear it down before the trade deadline or if they should make a move for a late season turnaround. First off, we've got the Jets. Uh, the Jets' amazing defense has them in the playoff conversation, and Rodgers was even seen throwing passes pregame Sunday. I know you have doubts, but are you really betting against this guy, Aaron Rodgers? Or should the Jets tear it down or turn it around? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think they should tear it down. I think they should try to, you know, make a playoff push. Obviously, Aaron, this, Aaron, this idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to play this year is one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard in my life. I like it's it though. Flatly not going to happen. You like it? How come? I like. I. I do think. Uh, I, I don't. I think he is giving hope to his teammates and like kind of keeping them in the game. I think he's doing. I think he's doing it for his team. Really? I think he's like. 100% I think he's doing it for the cameras. Them. No. Okay. <laughs> Fair. I think that like they were, his team was obviously really let down when that happened, and I feel like he was also let down. And he probably felt like he let the team down think that he's trying to keep them in the picture and keep spirits up, you know, keep the morale up in the locker room. You know what? That is an incredibly generous reading of it. You might be correct. I think he wants the attention. Personally, <laughs> I think he wants the attention, and I think there is no chance he is back this year, but we'll see how it plays out. But in the meantime, that Jet, where I will admit I was wrong, is the, the Jets' defense is better than I thought it was going to be good very good it's been great Garrett Wilson I thought was you know like the 10th 11th 12th best receiver in football he's been better than that Brees Hall's been excellent the offensive line's a problem and obviously Zach Wilson's a problem but credit to the Jets in that regard and what's unbelievable to Monse is had they just not lost to the damn Patriots They'd really right. be cooking right now. And the Patriots might be the worst team in the whole AFC. All right, next. It's a crazy take. Like, is saying that the Jets would be undefeated if they had Aaron Rodgers, is that like a is that a horrible take? I mean, they've had one they've had one game that wasn't close, and I think it was against the uh the Cowboys. The Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they'd game. have beaten the Here's the thing about the about the uh about them being undefeated. I don't think they'd have beaten the Chiefs. I, the Cowboys, right. but but here's the thing. I know you're saying like, oh, that's ridiculous. If they had Aaron Rodgers, in that specific game, Zach Wilson pl like put up Aaron Rodgers type numbers. It's not like they played the Chiefs close with terrible quarterback play. Does that make sense? Like the Patriots yes. game, they you know they they definitely beat the Patriots with Aaron Rodgers. The Patriots game, it was Rogers. a five point game. And, yeah. it, it, go ahead, sorry. Who do you mean? Would you say he's worth three points? Uh, we said an Aaron well, Rodgers in, S in game. In general, in general, yes, but I, I guess two points. One is, I think the Chiefs got up seventeen nothing and went in cruise control mode because they're playing Zach Wilson and the Jets. And secondarily, Zach in that game completed 75% of his passes at 250 yards at a 105 rating, two touchdowns, no picks. Like, Aaron, 
I don't think would have done in that specific game far better. So I don't know about undefeated. The Cowboys game, they got blown out, but they also got blown out because of how bad the quarterback play was. Like it kind of ball started rolling downhill. Um, I do think this, and Salah tried to walk it back this morning. But if you actually think you're a playoff contender, talking on Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, probably a bad idea. Because he said we've played great quarterbacks and we've embarrassed, embarrassed them, them, right? All right, yeah. so let's let's talk about that for a second. You definitely have to play the Bills again this year, and you hope against hope to have the opportunity to play the Chiefs again this year. Maybe don't say you embarrassed those quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, trainer Art. He's not scary. What okay. do you maybe don't say it. No, he can say what he wants. Okay, yeah, tell that to the folks who were screaming about Burrowhead Invitational, about the Burrowhead, <laughs> about Burrowhead Stadium. I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, all right, next. Uh, we got Patriots. Uh, come on, are you seriously coming? Uh, counting out the best coach of all time, the Jets. If the Jets can res- resurrect Zach Wilson, can Belichick resurrect Mac Jones? Should the no, Pats you tear, tear it down, it down or no, turn it? No, you got to tear it down. Here's a question I asked on the TV show yesterday. If the Patriots released every single player on their offense, just cut them all, would any one of them start start for another team? I don't know. Maybe like Trent Brown for a team with a bad offensive line, Ramondre Stevenson for a few teams. They have no talent. Right. They can have you even to tear, tear it down, down if you don't have any pieces. No, you got to. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can hope to get Caleb. You can. You, you just got to tear it all down. Yeah, and this is going to be an ignominious end for Belichick. Coaching All right, let's too? go fast. Next. Um, Vi- yeah, the whole thing. Vikings. Kirk Cousins said he wouldn't waive his no-trade clause, but do we really believe that? With no Justin Jefferson, maybe it's time to rebuild. Should the Vikings tear it down or turn it around? Yes, I absolutely believe it that um, he wouldn't waive his no-trade clause. He's trying to get another giant payday, and going to another team in a new system doesn't help him with that. He's comfortable in Minnesota. He likes it there. It's indoors, Um, They, but they should tear it down. I mean, they've got to start over. You build around Justin Jefferson and not much else. That's what you do there. Next, I like Addison, too. Um, uh, You've been teasing that Russell Wilson's time is already done, even if the Broncos are dragging their feet. But Denver has a lot of pieces they could trade now for a kickstart to rebuild. Uh, Should the Broncos tear it down or turn it around? No, they obviously have to tear it down. And, I mean, (laughs) they they also have a chance at Caleb, if not another quarterback. They're going to tear it down. They're going to cut Russell Wilson this this offseason. And I think he's going to get benched after the Chiefs game. They have two more games. Then they have a bye week. The Chiefs game is the second one, the one leading into the bye week. I think they're going to bench him there. Put your questions in the chat now, and we'll answer them next. Quick break right back. What's right? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
All right, we'll go through a few quick questions. By the way, a programming note today. Today, the TV show is only 30 minutes long, 2 to 2.30, because we have uh, live programming on FS1. We'll be back to our regular schedule tomorrow, but that means we got jam-packed TV show because it's Tuesday, which means it's Mahomes Mountain Day. Uh, And spoiler alert, Caleb tripped on the mountain but did not fall off the mountain. I'm not that crazy. All right, Demonte, what are some of the questions that we have from the audience? Joshua Hartman said people are actually forgetting that Purdy still had Kittle and Ayuk. San Francisco fans are so funny. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, he was down his two best weapons, so all he had left was a one really good receiver and the second best tight end in football. I mean, it was just an impossible situation. Next. Mohamed Musa, question. If NBA players started shooting granny-style free throws at 90%, would Nick want it banned for aesthetic reasons? Great question. No, they. I, okay. yeah, it's, it's a fine question, but we never have to worry about that because guys have too much pride to try to game the system <laughs> like that. Like, give me a break. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what they should do. No, it's not what they should do. This is the entertainment business, and there is a professional pride in in doing things the way they're supposed to be done. So I know people give me a hard time about that. The entire goal is to win, kind of, but it's also to have people history with the touch push thing. Well, and the more teams that fail on it, the more respect Philly gets for it. That it's Mm -hmm. not like that. That it is they have gamed the system in a way that is unique to their personnel, which is I think more impressive than otherwise. Next, touch push is like a button on your back. Uh, Clark Nebres or Nebres says, Nick, is Zion still a top young player or was has the hype sailed? No, he's still a top young player in theory. And when he's played, he's been unbelievable. But you have to be worried about him on court and off court. So, like, there is the I, I, I wouldn't sell my Zion stock, but I wouldn't be buying more of it. All right, next. Emerlindo Garzin asks, should the Jaguars sit Trevor this Thursday? Well, I'd probably not. You got to see how his knee feels. You got to be careful with him. But you oh. also got to win games. All of a sudden, with the with the Texans being a legit, frisky team, you can't give games away. And so you try to protect Trevor, but if he can go, he goes. Uh, all right, ask CF Candy's question, and then we'll yes, move on. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick, do you think Caleb goes back to USC if the Bears have the first-round pick? The first, No, that, it's, you know, this is such a ridiculous idea. First of all, guess what, guys? Every team ever that gets the first overall pick stinks. There's not a lot of instances of like, oh, going to this great franchise with the first overall pick. No, you're not. Second of all, the Bears have their pick and the Panthers' pick. So if Caleb goes to Chicago, it's an incredible, it's a division. The P- Packers are in rebuild. The Vikings are in rebuild. You also probably can draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And they're going to hire an awesome, I-, I said it a month ago, draft Caleb at one, Marvin Harrison Jr. at two or three, and then hire Ben Johnson from Detroit and get rolling. Demonze, great work today. Everybody, I'm on with Colin in 90 minutes. I'm then doing the TV show at two. I'm then on Ethan Sherwood Strauss's podcast later today. I'll see you guys for all that stuff. Have a wonderful day. See you guys on TV today at two o'clock for First Things First.